Hello, my name is Ken, and I want to welcome you back to my podcast, Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the absolute awesomeness and plan of God that He is expecting from His church. So we be at episode six, six of seven. A whoopa! <laughs> what a journey so far, right? If after you have been with me just for the first five messages, and you are meditating on Matthew eleven thirty, where Jesus tells us, "For my yoke is easy and my burden is light." then you are doing the right thing. This message reflects that. If it is too much, then take smaller bites. Re-listen to these as there is a lot going on, and I only touched on some of them lightly. No one is going to force feed you the milk, bread, and meat of the Word. You have to practice that habit so much that all you want is the milk, bread, and meat of the Word. Look, I'm an average Christian at best, and many times I feel like I'm a donkey running with Kentucky Derby-level horses. But regardless, being last in heaven is so way better than being the best in hell. And for the better Christians, I will gladly follow your lead as you follow his. Okay, so to get way back on track and to wrap up six, let's donkey on. The book of Proverbs is one of the wisdom books, and if you want to be wiser and make better decisions for your life and ministry, read it until the pages fall out of your Bible. (laughs) Okay, so but at least once. No, but okay, so read it because you need it for many of life's decisions. Proverbs 11.5, The Righteousness of the Blameless will direct his way all right, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. The blameless person is also described as righteous. You see it? Yes, all of these. Perfection, sinless, purity, righteousness, blameless, and holiness connect with each other, intertwining so as to add strength to strength. They are the attributes of God who is in Jesus and is now in us. When we as believers act contrary to these attributes, we are working against the nature of God who dwells in heaven and on earth. Oh yeah, and inside of us. Sometimes when you experience warfare, it is you fighting against the attributes of God. It's not always the devil. Sometimes arguments and strongholds are in your own thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 Do what Romans 12, 2 states, and you will grow right out of the anti-God attributing thoughts. Proverbs eleven twenty states, Those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord, but the blameless in their ways are His delight. Talk about cool, right? When we walk in the way, His ways, even though we might stumble or miss the mark on occasion, we are His delight. Just like a mother staring at the face of her newborn, He gazes upon His blameless. In Proverbs thirteen six, it states, Righteousness guards him whose way is blameless, but wickedness overthrows a sinner. I could do this all morning long. That is until I have to start working at my other job. So be blameless and righteousness becomes your own personal superhero cape and all. In Proverbs 28.10, it states, Whoever causes the upright to go astray in an evil way, he himself will fall into his own pit, but the blameless will inherit good. Being blameless comes with an inheritance on earth right now. No one has to die but you, that is your flesh and its perverse appetites, in order to receive its blessing. Genesis 26.12-13 and Mark 10.29-31. In Proverbs 28.18, it states, Whoever walks blamelessly will be saved, but he who is perverse in his ways will suddenly fall. What? I thought all I had to do was confess with my mouth and believe in my heart. Romans 10, 9. See, look, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'm sure that there are three books of information in this one mini-chat, but for the sake of time and computer memory, let's be okay with the fact that both are true. You can be wealthy and an idiot in handling money at the same time. Hopefully that helps to make sense of this. 
So in 1 Corinthians 1.8, it states, Who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? You see, it's not a guarantee that you will, only that you can. Philippians 2.15 states that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Becoming blameless is the journey we must embark on with as much diligence as we pursue the other attributes. Colossians 1.22 states, And the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and blameless, and above reproach in his sight. You see, it's not so much that you have to be above reproach in my sight, it's his sight. So the whole thing about the teaching ministry, the pastors, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, is so that when you get in front of his sight, you're above reproach. That's our role. That's our job. The church should be doing that. If it's not, and it's not, we're going to be in trouble when we stand before him. What I love about scripture is that one letter, that is one character of the alphabet, can embalm your brain and what it thought it knew at the time. I have other messages on it, but we will see here one example of this when Jesus told Peter to cast his nets over the side of the boat, and Peter cast a net. Not nets, but a net. He left out the S and broke at his discovery that he was an unworthy sinner. Oh, the power of an S, or rather one character. You can find the story in Luke 5, 4 through 10, and John 21, 6 through 11. But so in Colossians 1.22, we see the crucifixion, that we are made holy and will be made holy, that we will be presented to God one day, that we are to be blameless now and will be made blameless for the day, and that in blamelessness we will be above reproach here and when we stand before God. There is great hope and expectation for that day. No more broke. In 1 Thessalonians 2.10, it states, You are witnesses and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. You want to know if you have achieved it? Ask a brother you hate if you are walking blamelessly. Oh wait, you can't hate a brother, lest you be identified as a murderer. 1 John 3.15 So, but these guys did it, and so we know that if they can, we can. 1 Thessalonians 3.13 states, So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. What is blameless? Well, one of the things that is, is your heart. Why so, Ken? Proverbs 4.23 Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. So we see a key in that being or walking blameless is to manage the affairs of my heart. If something is off, check the heart. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 states, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ken, I don't know if I will be blameless in time. Well, preservation means that you have it, and that Jesus thinks it should stay that way. We will be presented to God by Jesus so that God, in a father role, can give you his daughter, that is, his church, to his son, as his bride who has made herself ready, Revelation 19.7. In 2 Peter 3.14 it states, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. If he's saying that we can, then we can, but we'll need his help. We have our work cut out for us, and so does he. I'm so happy that there is a better way to live this life. You can't hate your enemy and be blameless. You can't dishonor the nation's president and be blameless before God. Kingdom first, then democracy, but both nonetheless. So this next reading is from 1 Timothy. I'm going to read chapters 3, 4, 5, and 6. It's going to be a big swallow, but don't try to get everything out of it, but pay attention to the language, blameless, pure, etc. 
So 1 Timothy 3, this is a faithful saying. If a man desires a position of a bishop, he must desire good work. A bishop then must be blameless. The husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, least being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as a devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest they fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Now i got to interrupt this for a minute. I have seen people thrust into leadership positions they were not ready for. There wasn't any testing. There was just here. Here's a position. Don't do that. Those people struggled. So verse 11, likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourselves in the house of God, which is the church of the living God the pillar and the ground of the truth, and without controversy great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels preaching among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. So in chapter 4 it states, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith. Again, i got to interrupt this. So you see, I've heard some people say, Well, once saved, always saved. I'm not sure. I'm not sure based on what this says. Some will depart from the faith. We just can't take anything for granted. So on with the scripture. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from food which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables, and exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that is now and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, give attention to reading, exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things, give yourselves entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. I got to interrupt again. Your progress should be evident to all. And it's not us looking at our leadership saying, you guys better be growing. It's us looking at ourselves, asking ourselves a question, am I growing? If you're the same level Christian reproducing the same things that you did in your first year of being saved, you're in trouble. You should be growing all the time all the time, and it will be nobody's fault that you're not growing but your own. 
Yes, the church has a responsibility, but you will not be able to blame the church if it is not doing so. It's still up to you to do so. I'm hoping this ministry will help. In verse 16, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So chapter 5, do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters. With all purity, honor widows who are really widows. That tells us there are going to be some fake ones. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. For this is good and acceptable before God. Now she who is really a widow and left alone trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who lives in a pleasure is dead while she lives. And these things command that they may be blameless. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I'm telling you, this stuff is important. If you do not provide for your own house, then you are worse than an unbeliever. I think God takes this stuff serious. We should too. Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, and not unless she has been the wife of one man, well reported for good works, if she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. But refuse the younger widows, for when they have begun to grow wanton against Christ, they desire to marry, having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith. And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybody, saying things which they ought not. Therefore, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Some have already turned aside after Satan. Again, I'm going to interrupt. Some have already turned aside after Satan. Listen, women, it's a serious thing. You're under attack. You got to listen to what Timothy is saying here. Don't be gossips and don't be busybodies. I'm telling you, it's just a strategy of the devil to get you to go after the devil. Verse 16, if any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them. And do not let the church be burdened that it may relieve those who are really widows. Verse 17, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. And the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all, that the rest may also fear. I got to interrupt again here. Verse 19 and 20 here, I don't see this in action a lot. What I see is one person saying something and the whole body believing it. I'm telling you, we got to get back to the Bible or we're going to be in trouble. The bride makes herself ready. Revelations 19. The bride makes herself ready. Don't wait for this to magically happen. You've got to obey. You've got to get into this thing and get it inside of you. Get it in the depths of the marrow of your bones. Without the word of God and without obedience, we're in trouble. Verse 21. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment, but those of some men follow later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident, and those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. Okay, in chapter 6, let as many bondservants that are under the yoke count their own master worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. And those who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, 
but rather serve them because those who are benefited are believing and beloved. Teach and exhort these things. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine, which according to godliness, he is proud knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself. (laughs) I hate to say it, But if you don't have a lot of people hanging around you and you're a believer, you might want to check yourself. Hopefully you're not reproducing some of this stuff in your life. If you're just going after people to try to correct Christians all the time, we're going to be in trouble. Verse 6, Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and certainly we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I want to interrupt this again. So this is not saying that you shouldn't be wealthy. This is not saying Christians shouldn't be rich. What this is saying is that if you love money, you're going to be in trouble. King David had money. King Solomon had money. Many of the Old Testament guys had a lot of money. Abraham, good grief. So money's not the problem. It's the love of it. It's the pursuit of it. Check your heart on that. There's nothing greater than to be able to give somebody resources when you have extra resources to give. That's the heart of God. It isn't to collect a whole bunch of vats of grain. Verse 11, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness. So it looks like we got to chase this stuff down, right? Pursue godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Here we are, the soldier word, right? Fight. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called to have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing. Wow, I think I included half the Bible in that last scripture run, but I wanted you to see and hear something. I believe that if pastors talk to their disciples like this today, many may seek to graze where they think the grass is greener. Wood, hay, and stubble, 1 Corinthians 3.13, will come to their works unless they can hear and obey the hard stuff. If language like this was included in a church leadership position job description, some self-screening may have taken place prior to the interview. 1 Thessalonians 3.13 so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. Well, that's it for today. And wow, this is straight up heavy metal scripture. But wouldn't you rather know it now than later? You know, like when you're interviewing with Jesus? Like I said earlier, it wasn't enough to just fall out of your heavenly crib and land on this planet. Daddy had some grace and mercy loaded expectations for what we do and how we act. Stay tuned for episode seven, the last in this series, which will continue on in discussing what manner of spirit we are. Remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding the messages, but what you can take away from it. Together, we can do more to impact the kingdom of God than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, still, and destroy the works of the enemy and create space for the light of lights to shine through in the people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and see you next time in deep waters.